Good morning. My name is Dwayne Sperman. Welcome to Directional Bible Ministries. This is a teaching ministry that is called to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Uh, today, we are going to wrap up our study in the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter number six, and um, we're going to pick up in verse number 10. We're going to look at the armor of God and then uh, then Paul's final greeting. So we'll be done with the book of Ephesians. I appreciate you uh, hanging in there, studying through the book with me. Uh, as many of you know, I've done it twice. First time, um, I just was not happy um, with uh, the direction that I had taken on it. Uh, so I went back and recorded, in essence, the whole thing over again, because last time I'd already gotten in chapter number six. So, And um, I remind, just by way of reminder, um, the first um, uh, time I went through it, I was paying very close attention to personal pronouns, which, if you're not careful, will skew the way you proceed through the book. And, you know, you can go back to session number one and and you'll see me explaining all that to you. Um, today, what we're going to do is uh, session 29. Again, this will be my final study on the book. So Ephesians chapter number, number six um, and verse number 10. And you can see uh, he he's wrapping it up. He says, finally. Uh, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And we talked about that last time, his final thoughts. They all need to be strong in the power of his might. Um, and I believe his point is that it would be difficult for wives, husbands, children, slaves, and masters to do anything that he has encouraged them to do without the Lord's help. And, of course, we've been talking about that. So he says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. So to be strong, they are told that they're going to have to put on the whole armor of God. And in this section here, the described parts are taken from uh, what a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion would be would be uh, outfitted with. Um and he's going to say that it is the only way that they are going to be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Uh, and the wiles are the schemes, the tricks, the ploys, uh, the modus operandi of the devil. The only way you're going to be able to do that is if you, you have these things. And I think sometimes we focus, just moving forward here, we focus a little too much on the armor instead of what the armor stands for. Okay, um, so the armor, you know, is about truth. It's about righteousness. It's about the gospel. It's about faith. Uh, that is the main focus here. Even though, you know, it's very easy to look at this armor that a Roman centurion would be wearing, and how he, you know, he talks about how, you know, these items, if you will, compare to uh, these attributes of faith and righteousness and things like that. And of course, me being in the military, I can see the modern day version of that. I don't think of a sword. Uh, we never carried swords, <laughs> okay? We carried weapons. We carried long guns, rifles. You know, we didn't, 
uh, our helmets were different. They were Cavalar. Our vests were flak jackets. You know, they're still that modern day equivalent. They're sandals. You know, we wear boots today. You know, but but still, the emphasis is not necessarily the 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 article of 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 clothing as it is what that article stands for. And that's what we want to talk about a little bit today. So, and then notice verse number 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of the world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. So he says, we need to put on this armor that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. Why? Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood. Uh, the point is that our struggle is not against our fellow man. Uh, instead, it is a spiritual struggle. It's the devil. Uh, the devil is the one that's pulling the strings. Um, so our struggle is not against our neighbor. Our struggle is not against Bob. You know, our struggle is not against Susan. You know, our struggle is against the devil. Uh, it's against principalities and rulers of darkness and spiritual wickedness in high places. All of these, um, these are not in the physical realm, but in the spiritual realm. So understand that, you know, the things that we struggle with in life are not physical. They manifest themselves in the physical. But we as spiritual beings, uh, we're being manipulated by the spirit world. And that is the point that is making uh, it does not mean that our fellow man cannot be our enemy, but that what drives them is in the spirit world. Uh, it may be manifested through Bob or through Susan, but it's the spiritual world that's pulling the strings. And many have said this uh, against powers and rulers of darkness and this world against spiritual wickedness in high places. All of this speaks of the spirit world not the physical. And he says, notice, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities. That Notice flesh and blood. Jesus said flesh and blood cannot inherit uh, the kingdom of God. Or is that what he said? Was it the kingdom of God? Uh, that's interesting. Flesh and blood. Uh, Jesus said something. Nope, I spelled blood wrong there. Um, regarding that, what did he say? Uh, there it is. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians fifteen fifty, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither doth corruption inherit corruption. Uh, so when he says that, he's saying we can't go in um, in, in this physical body. Uh, you remember he talked about that uh, this terrestrial must put on celestial, this mortal must put on immortality uh, so the flesh and blood is referring to the physical and he's saying that we're not fighting against our fellow flesh and blood we're not fighting against bob and susan here we are fighting against things that are in the spiritual realm is what he's saying there um and then notice verse number 13 Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand the evil day, and having done all, to stand. So with that in mind, we must take up our spiritual armor. It's not physical, it's spiritual armor. 
if we are to withstand them as that a spiritual enemy cannot be defeated by physical means. So um, our, our armor is spiritual. It's not physical. Uh, and of course, that armor, uh, he's just using these pieces metaphorically to describe a, a a spiritual armor that we have. And we'll see, you know, this is all righteousness and truth and, you know, um, things like that. The armor, also notice, implies defense. The only thing that a soldier or a Marine carries that is offensive in nature is his, his, his weapon, his, his, his gun, his firearm. Uh, everything else on him is defensive in nature. Helmets, flak jackets, boots. I mean, all of that is really defensive to protect the head, protect the heart. <laughs> you know, those they're all defensive weapons. And when it, when it speaks of armor, armor is is defensive to protect you, your boots, you know, to protect your feet, to protect your ankles. Um, things like that. And to withstand literally means to set or stand against the assaults that are going to be coming your way. So notice he talks about to withstand in the evil day. What's the evil day? Um, Albert Barnes says the evil day is the day that you're assaulted. You know, it's the day that those spiritual forces in high places come against you. Um that is the evil day. Um, and then notice in verse number 14, uh, the text says, Stand, therefore, uh, having your loins girt about with the truth. Your loins is your, your midsection there. And, you know, girt about with the truth. Um, you know, I think of a cartridge belt uh, that a, a modern soldier would carry that would hold everything together it holds up his his uh his weapons so that they're not dropping down they also have an h harness that kind of holds everything in place and having the breastplate of righteousness while a roman centurion may have a piece of metal or chain mail or something like that i mean the modern uh marine i i was in the marine so you know marines don't consider themselves to be soldiers uh, but they act and do the same things. Just Marines are, on, are associated with water. Um, but they have this flak jacket, this breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, which would be speaking of the Roman sandal, which have these cleats, these nails that come out so that they can stand against the forces of the enemy. A modern uh, soldier or Marine would have boots, um, and taking up the shield of faith, um, wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. Um, we today don't shoot arrows at each other. Um, uh, we shoot, uh, <laughs> you know, bullets. And um, there are shields. You've seen police riot gear might have these kind of shields, but they're not going to stop, you know, a fifty caliber round or something like that. So. But the point is, the shield would stop the fired arrows that were coming at them and take the helmet of salvation 
You know, you think of the helmet that the Roman soldier had on his head. Um, anyone uh, that is in a combat situation, um, offensive, uh, is going to go for the head. They're going to go for the vitals. Uh, that's the quickest way to stop uh, someone coming at you. Uh, they hit that midsection, lungs, heart. You, know, you hit that, they're done. Head. And he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. That sword is the only thing. I mean, a sword can be defensive, but it is definitely offensive in nature. Um, <clears throat> just like a weapon would be in the hands of a Marine today. Um, no doubt Paul by now was intimately familiar uh, with the attire of a Roman soldier since he himself had been chained to one on a few separate occasions. Uh, Paul talks about that. And his point is that without truth, without righteousness, without the gospel, without faith, without salvation and the word of God, which is what all those things represent, it would be impossible for them to be able to walk worthy, circumspectfully, carefully, redeeming the time. Uh, so he says these things are required if you're going to be able to stand. What is what is required? Truth is required. Um, uh, you know, I mean, what is truth? Jesus said, "I am the way, the truth, and the life." You know, truth is assaulted today in our culture. You know, I hear people say, "Well, that's your truth." No, that might be my opinion. Might be your opinion. But there's only one truth, uh, period. Um, there is truth. Our, our culture has attacked absolute truth. It reminds me of the time, um, uh, you know, I, I was in a classroom and a student said, well, that, well, this is what I believe. I don't believe in absolute truth. I said, are you absolutely sure of that? Because the statement, I don't believe in absolute truth, is an absolute truth, to you at least. But is it absolutely true? I mean, there is absolute truth. <laughs> you throw yourself off a building, gravity's going to win. Uh, there is absolute truth. And we have lied to ourselves, and we've lied to a couple generations of young people uh, in, our, in our secular institutions um, that there's no such thing as absolute truth. And, and truth is at a personal level. What's true for me may, may not be true for you. We have destroyed the idea, the constant, that there is absolute truth. And I am absolutely sure of that. Um, so if you don't have truth, you're not going to be able to stand. And where do we get that truth? The truth comes in the Word of God. You know, And our society has rejected the Word of God as the final authority. Um, you know, And that started years ago. I think that started in the church. Uh, you know, when, you know, uh, higher criticism, when we started questioning the authority, the veracity of the Word of God, I think it started with a plethora of translations of the Bible, which one, you know, well, and well, this, this is not translated correctly. This means that, you know, it gave wiggle room, you know, so now you go into churches, you know, and you see a lot of wiggle room. Um, you know, regarding all kinds of subjects like sin, um, sexual sin, 
um, because they've got this wiggle room that's been given to them, I think, primarily by the church. Um, um, so we need truth. We need righteousness. Righteousness means to be right with God. And if you're right with God, you're going to have to be right in his word. Uh, the gospel, you know, the, the gospel that Paul preached was the death, the burial, and the resurrection, period, full stop. It's not faith plus anything. It's just faith, period. It's not faith, baptism, faith plus works, faith plus anything. It's just belief, period. Um, and faith, you know, faith is, is, is a confidence in what is not seen. Um, salvation. Salvation means I am. I have been saved. How am I saved? Am I saved by doing this, or am I saved by doing that? And then the Word of God. The Word of God is the sword. It is the offense. It is where we get Bible basic instructions before leaving Earth. So without these things, truth and righteousness and gospel and faith and salvation and the Word of God, it would be impossible for them to walk worthily carefully redeeming the time. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. And then he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication, how? In the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. And of course, prayer is needful always. I have yet to meet a Marine or a soldier that did not acknowledge a supreme power, um, a supreme commandant is how we refer to him in the Marine Corps League, especially in times of uncertainty. Of, of an uncertainty. You know, the problem in our world is I think prosperity has absolutely wrecked uh, the church. Um, when, you know, we live in a culture where you don't really need faith because we, we have the government, you know, um, we live in a, you know, prosperity historically is the enemy of the church. It's the enemy of faith because you don't need it. You know, we say we live by faith, uh, but do we really? You know, I get a check on the 15th and the 30th, you know. Um, doesn't require faith to get that. I just do my job. I get paid on the 15th and 30th. You know, it's, it's, it's not until we strip away all of that. Uh, it's not until we hit rock bottom, the end of the rope, you know, that we really, truly learn how to live by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. If that be the case, how many people in our culture are actually living a life that is pleasing to God? I think faith is a rare commodity <clears throat> in our culture, especially a prosperous culture, because it's not necessarily needful all the time. Um, so, you know, praying always, praying is a two-way communication with God. We need to pray with all prayer and supplication. Uh, in other words, trusting God, supplication, the root word is supply. For God to supply everything that we're going to need regarding faith and salvation and, and righteousness, those things that he mentioned previously. Um, you know, in the military, we have a term called foxhole religion. It's amazing how when your life is on the line, you can get pretty religious quite quickly. Uh, I've never seen an empty chapel service before things are about to get interesting. 
and again, a soldier or Marine is much more familiar with this than a civilian who's never faced that before would be. Um, and then he says in verse 19, and for me, that utterance, now there, that's interesting, praying always with all perseverance and for me, praying for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly and make known the mystery of the gospel. Now Paul asked for prayer for his own ministry and proclaiming the mystery of the gospel that Paul preached. What is the mystery of the gospel? Uh, it's the grace gospel, which is an individual salvation, not the kingdom gospel. That was a national salvation. We don't, or at least we shouldn't be teaching the kingdom gospel today. The kingdom gospel was taught by Christ and the Twelve. The grace gospel was taught by Paul. Two different gospels. Uh, and that grace gospel will continue to be... The, understand, the kingdom gospel was repent and be baptized, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. That's the kingdom gospel. We don't preach that gospel. At least we shouldn't, but we do, you know, unfortunately. Matter of fact, we mix the two. The grace gospel is death, burial, and resurrection simply by believing. It doesn't require repentance. It doesn't require baptism. It's just belief. And both those things will happen. The fact that you believe means you, you've, you've, you've had a change of mind. The fact that you believe you've been spiritually baptized, uh, not physical. But today we mix those two, and it's caused a lot of misunderstanding, and I've talked about that all through this study. Um, and this grace gospel, again, will be preached until the rapture of the church, and then it won't be preached anymore. You know, it'll be back to the kingdom gospel, Daniel 70th week. And then verse 20, for I, for which I am an ambassador. I'm an ambassador of what? This grace gospel in bonds. In other words, he's under chains. He's in prison. That therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. It is because of the mystery of the gospel that he's in chains. Um, it's because, you know, Paul's biggest enemy were, were the Jews. They are the ones that came after him, um, because he preached a grace gospel that whosoever will may come, that the Gentiles were now equal footing. Uh, that's why he was in jail. His prayer request is that in spite of his chains, he would continue to speak boldly as he should. And it's interesting that he didn't ask to be released. He was more focused on his calling. What was his calling? Paul was the apostle to the Gentiles. He was the only one that was called to the Gentiles. That'll, that'll totally rock your world if you can just take off the filter and understand that Paul was uniquely called to the Gentiles. That Paul, even though he tried uh, many times to minister to his brethren, his fellow Jews, God called him to the Gentiles. The 12 were called to the nation of Israel. They were, were forbidden in many places from going to the Gentiles. If, if you just understand the uniqueness of Paul's ministry, I'm telling you, it'll rock your world. And then, in conclusion, but that ye also may know my affairs, what's going on and how I do, Tychicus, Tychicus, a blood brother and faithful minister in the Lord, shall make known unto you all things. And remember, he is the one that carried the letters um, 
that Paul had written to the Ephesian church. Uh, so he's been sent to them carrying this letter that they may uh, know all things, whom I have sent unto you for the same purpose, that ye might know what's going on in my life and that he might comfort your hearts. So, so this guy was the one that carried Paul's letters to the Ephesians and carried his letters to the Colossians. And we see that in Colossians 4, 7. All my state shall Tychicus declare unto you. And then Ephesians, we're told in 2 Timothy 4, 12, and Tychicus have I sent to Ephesus. So he was the delivery guy so that they might know what was going on with Paul. And then verse 23, 24, final words, peace be to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with all them that love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity. Amen. Amen. That's Paul's final words. Peace be to the brethren. A peace I give to you, a peace I leave with you, a peace that the world cannot give, a peace that the world cannot take away. Love with faith, unfeigned faith from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace, unmerited favor, be with all of them that love Jesus Christ sincerely. Amen. Paul's final words. <laughs> it has been a privilege to go through this book with you. I hope you've been blessed by it. Uh, I'm in the process of, of tying the videos with the lessons, which each session, uh, the written commentary has the session with the video. And, and uh, again, if I had to go through it again, I, would, I am continuing to learn as I've already published um, Acts and Galatians. If I had to do them again, I would go back and change some things. I'm learning um, as I go through the Bible uh, so nothing is final. We're all growing in our walks with the Lord. But I hope you've enjoyed this study. I hope you grow by it. I hope you see the uniqueness of the ministry of Paul. I hope you see the uniqueness of the grace gospel um, that Paul preached until his dying day uh, that many did not understand. Even Peter said, "Paul, our brother Paul writes things that are difficult to understand. Uh, but he declared what Paul was writing was true. Uh, Paul's ministry and the Twelve's ministry were very different, very different, unique callings. But I pray you continue to grow, and God bless you. Remember that God loves you, wants the best for you, and He's working all things out for our good. God bless. <laughs>